It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. up the week on Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Friday morning here in the Twin Cities in the Cumulus Studios, it's Sam Ekstrom joined by Sage Rosenfels as usual. Major breaking news to start the show. Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Munn. Done. Finito. It's over. It's over. The dream is dead. This, really? Yes. Oh. That, uh, it's funny. There's there's different breaking news going on all over the country, and I don't, I don't know if that was at the top of the list, but I guess that uh, on this show it is. I guess now all of the bloggers will have to retire their stories about Aaron Rodgers' play being affected by his relationship. Yeah, well, you know, life moves on, I guess. So we'll see what happens with uh, with Mr. Rodgers and his future. Obviously, I, I don't think she was affecting his quarterback play. He was playing pretty dang well. If anything, she was probably <laughs> helping him play better, it seems. The real news of the day is Adrian Peterson continues his tour of the NFL he left New England without a deal, uh, no surprise to us, I would say, and he goes to New Orleans, where I believe he'll be meeting on Monday and Tuesday, I think I read. New Orleans Saints, a 7-9 and nine team each of the last three years, a team that was once very powerful, a team that once won a Super Bowl, but now with an aging quarterback and a, a lackluster defense, maybe not an immediate contender, at least on the forefront of our minds. Adrian Peterson and New Orleans, is that a, a slightly better fit, do you think? You know, I, I don't know what the best fit is for Adrian. Uh, it, it seems like as he bounces around the league, whatever fit he is going to be, uh, it's not going to be a 25 to 30 carry three down back. Uh, it seems like teams are sort of looking to, for him to be sort of this power back, this first and second down you're going to get the carries when, when the teams know we want to run the football, uh, but when it's third down or, or passing situations, we want that second back to uh, be a, a protector, be somebody that can, can catch the ball out of the backfield, who can you know, do one-on-one routes on, on linebackers and safeties, but also who can you know, go out and split out as a wide receiver. Uh, and, and be more of a receiver, you know, slash running back. And, and you see more and more running backs, you know, having to fill that role. And Adrian just doesn't do those do those things, or he doesn't do them very well. And so uh, you, you we're looking at this market that has, you know, reduced his role to really just a, a, a pure running back, a first and second down, you know, eye backfield, you know, type running back. And so I think that has probably affected his uh, value uh, from a cash standpoint. Uh, and that's probably why uh, you know he hasn't come to an agreement because that type of back is no longer worth 
10 million dollars that tap of back is worth you know, maybe a million or two uh, as because you're you're going to have to have two or three running backs over the course of the season doesn't it seem too that mark ingram the incumbent in new orleans is sort of synonymous with what adrian peterson is they're both kind of bruising running backs ingram is is stocky he's about 5'10 215 pounds not that far off from adrian it feels like adrian's best suited in an offense where he's a compliment to a speedster or a slashing running back and that wouldn't be the case in new orleans yeah, I agree with you, and and if that even adds to the fact that if he somehow ends up in New Orleans, uh, I can't imagine his uh, his salary being high at all because they're to have a similar back. New England does make sense in a couple of ways because you know uh, Legarrette Blunt um, was that type of back. He was sort of the ground and pound guy, and they had some other guys like James White. Uh, who are more the the third down or receiver threat? Uh, you know, I always thought that the only reason uh, Adrian was actually in New England was leverage for Blunt. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, Blunt had 12 over 1,200 yards rushing last year, and I believe something like 18 touchdowns, 15 to 18 touchdowns, had a huge year. Uh, yet has not been signed yet. Sort of goes to show the the value or, or uh, of the quarter. Uh, I'm sorry, of the running back position. And a lot of that has to do with these uh, very, very deep crop of running backs that are coming out in this 2017 draft. Well, it is a very, very deep running back draft, and we can touch on a few of these guys. I think the consensus number one back at this point is Leonard Fournette, but it's changed a couple times. You've got so many talented backs that Dalvin Cook was in the mix for a while. Christian McCaffrey is highly sought after, the Stanford kid. Alvin Kamara is going up draft boards. There is a lot of running back talent, which is making it tough for Adrian to find a home, I think, before the draft. I think everyone wants to see how this thing shakes out, as we've talked about in the past. I had a couple numbers on Fournette. They're unbelievable. Fournette in three years, 6.2 yards per carry for his career. For his career, 6.2. Had nearly 2,000 yards on the ground as a sophomore, and that's in just 12 games. This guy is a machine. He was a machine in high school, and he's just got that incredible strength, 6'1", 230. Maybe this is the real next Adrian Peterson. We're always looking for the next one. Fournette could be the guy. Well, he was the guy, you know, a couple of years ago that everyone thought was going to be, uh, you know, the the star of us of some draft, and uh, he's been on the uh, the radar for a couple of years now. It's interesting as you go through this list of of running backs, how when we're just talking about Adrian's uh, value and Adrian's uh, expertise uh, as a runner. You know, these guys are all very different, and obviously Fournette is that power back. Uh, probably not a great pass catcher or guy who can run great routes, but he's going to be that straight uh, uh, eye tailback in the backfield, uh, running the ball you know, out of the eye, uh, where you have other guys like McCaffrey, uh, like, uh, like Cook from Florida State, who can do a little of everything, but really uh, are definitely a threat uh, from the receiver position as well. Well, and Cook actually one-ups Leonard Fournette, 6.5 yards per carry for his career, including 7.4 per carry as a sophomore. So both those guys had unbelievable sophomore seasons, which really put them on the forefront. You get these guys out of college that the college game is so spread out that some of these numbers, I think, get inflated because defenses are probably confused with four or five wide receiver sets. But how important do you think that college stats are necessarily? Do you think it's it's not really a translation to the pros? 
Well, no, I think it translates, but you know, there, no one ever rushes for you know six or seven yards a carry uh, in, in the pros, and so that those numbers always go down. And, and the college game is very different; it's become more of a fast break, you know, type of basketball game. And then you get to the uh, you know the pros, and it's definitely is like a slow down half court game, you know, in a lot of ways. You want to compare it to basketball, and so. Uh, it, it's a, it is very different. I think the spread game and all that stuff, you know, helps out colleges. Also, college defenses are generally fairly simple. They just have uh, limited time uh, to to really work with the kids to have really complex defenses. And and uh, and yeah, and I think there there is this value to college running backs now uh, that's different because you know they come into the pros, they're so hungry uh, that you really I think you get you get the most out of them in their first four or five years. The problem is. A lot of times after, if you give them a ton of carries in those first four years, now they're a free agent and their bodies are very beat up. They've had, you know, some, maybe a knee issue here or there. They just have a lot of wear and tear on their body. And so they're, you know, that second contract, they're, they're probably not as uh, good of a player. And so uh, I think it's got becoming more and more important to get these guys right out of college. Do you have any thoughts on Christian McCaffrey out of Stanford? Hopefully he exceeds the career that Toby Gerhardt had. Gerhardt was one of those guys also out of Stanford who really, you know, had a lot of momentum going into the Vikings and he fizzled. Definitely different players though. You know, McCaffrey might be the best pass catcher, I think, of the bunch. He's he's really multifaceted. Yeah, well this is you know, Toby was there when, when Harbaugh was there and they ran, you know, the, the power play, which is this, you know, uh it's very, very often used playing both college and the pros, but they were like the experts on power, and uh, it's when the guards pulling around, and and it's usually it's off tackle, and and Gerhardt you know, just had that thing down to a science, and he's more of that bruiser type. McCaffrey, really more of a receiver. You know, he's sort of like a, a Tavon Austin type player, where he can, you know, obviously he can be in the, in, in the the tailback role, but. And he's not a guy that you're going to give the ball 20 times to in a game out of the tailback position, but I'm sure you'd love to get him, you know, 10 to 15 touches in the game, whether it's returning punts, uh, whether it's uh, as, as, a, as a running back out of the backfield. He's a guy you just want to get the ball. He's very, very explosive, but, you know, he's smaller, and you just wonder if he's going to be able to take the punishment of 250-pound linebackers uh, and 350 or 330-pound defensive linemen in the NFL. The Vikings aren't in the running for any of the guys that we're mentioning right now. Minnesota's probably looking at a, a day three running back pick, somebody in the later rounds. Fortunately, the draft shapes up well for that because there are so many running backs available. You've got a couple Big Ten guys, Devion Smith, Corey Clement, out of NC State, you've got Matt Days, James Conner, and there's also this cat, Donnell Pumphrey, out of San Diego State, who actually set the NCAA rushing record in his San Diego State career. He's not a big guy at all. He's 5'8", 175. I mean, that's not really an NFL body, but he just ran the rock. He was extremely durable, which is amazing for his size. For reference, I think we think of McKinnon as a pretty small back, but McKinnon is something like 5'10", 205. He's got a little bit of girth to him. Pumphrey is extremely short and extremely light, so he'll need to add some strength. Probably not a feature back that you can rely on, but really who is a feature back anymore? That'd be an interesting day three pick, certainly. And it's almost at the point where, you know, unless you're going to get one of the top three in that top tier, you may as well wait until the third day and just try to get value. There's no need to reach when there are so many options kind of there in the middle. 
Well, and speaking of waiting, I, I think some of these NFL teams are waiting to see what they do with the draft, and, and after that, if they don't get the backs uh, or, or back that they want, uh, that's when maybe Adrian and, and, and uh, um, to kid up a New England blunt uh, and some of these other guys who have not been signed yet, that might be a chance for them to finally find the team that they're looking to, looking to get on. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Last thing of the day, I just wanted to run this Richard Sherman stuff by you. The trade rumors with with Sherman and Seattle seems like they are mutually vocalizing that they're ready to go their separate ways. Sherman last year was very outspoken. There were a number of things that sort of rocked the boat there in Seattle. He didn't have his best year. He still has two years left on his deal. Obviously very well compensated already 29 years old. It's amazing how fast time flies. It seems like he was just the rising star, and now he's the sagey veteran. Do you think this is a case where Sherman requested a trade, and that's why the Seahawks are so vocal? Because it seems awkward that Seattle would just be so open about this. Well, my guess is that Seattle probably has some younger players behind him that they like, uh, and that they just the way their defense is set up. Uh, that they you know maybe don't want to spend whatever it is was it 12 15 million dollars uh, you know on one player uh, even though he's a great player they might go well we've got a, a pretty a good player behind him who's you know 80 percent as good or 90 percent as good and he's going to make uh, you know seven hundred thousand dollars this year so usually teams are sort of open to trading players when they already have a, a sort of a contingency plan uh, a plan B you know behind him so you know that defense is is very it's it's not complex. Uh, it's it's you're going to have to. There's a lot of chasing that the cornerbacks have to do, and they might be wondering, you know, as he gets to 29, closer to 30 years old, uh, receivers that are you know have had to use their speed and their chasing skills. Uh, I'm not receivers, but but cornerbacks uh, to chase these receivers. Uh, they they that gets a little bit worse over time, and uh, really the the corners that can play a long time in the NFL uh, learn how to play more of a, a zone defense. Uh, and, and have and be, become really, really good tacklers. And that's not something that Richard Sherman, uh, that's not one of his strengths. Sherman has never missed a game in six years with Seattle. 30 interceptions in his first half dozen years in the league. Not too shabby. What are your thoughts on Sherman just as, as a guy? You know, he's been very divisive in his career. He's been very outspoken. I think people have come to respect him more over the years because he is pretty intelligent, and he, he obviously has backed it up on the field. What are your thoughts on Sherman, just the, the player he is and the personality he is? Well, he's a very good player. Let's just leave it at that. I mean, he's, he's probably a top-five uh, cornerback in the league. Uh, he's paid as, as a top-five cornerback as well, and, and I think he is as good as he was two years ago, so his play really hasn't changed. Um, as, as far as his outspokenness, you know, he, he went to Stanford. He's very smart, uh, and I, I'm, for one, happy that he speaks up on things, even if I disagree with him. You know, a lot of athletes get a lot of uh, uh, flack for, oh, they never say anything interesting, and, and uh, they, you know, Eli Manning keeps everything so tight to the vest, never rocks the boat, never says anything interesting, or Richard Sherman just, does just the opposite. He rarely speaks out negatively against his own team, 
Uh, he'll speak up, I think, if he needs to, which which is fine. Uh, it seems like they have an environment where where uh, you know the head coach Pete Carroll talks about being yourself, and it's okay to be yourself and let your emotions out rather than you know being reserved all the time. That's sort of the atmosphere they have up in Seattle. Uh, but he'll also obviously get into you know uh, you know deep discussions or or have some strong comments about the the NFL, about Roger Goodell, uh, po- probably about politics as well, those types of things. And and I for one. I said, even if, even if you disagree with what he's saying, I'm happy that he, you know, has enough guts to speak out uh, and 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 back up what, uh, you know, back up his arguments. And I think that's very important. That shows that he's a smart guy. May not be smart, uh, you know, financially. It's, it might bother some teams, but he's already made, you know, what 50 or or 60 million dollars. He may say, you know what, you can, you know, it might cost me. A few million at the end of my career, but you know, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak my mind and and be who I am. Yeah, I have a similar opinion too. Whether you agree with Sherman or not, number one, he makes the league more interesting because he's so opinionated and because he takes stances. There's a majority of players that I think don't want to rock the boat for fear of the repercussions it may have. But when you're as good as Sherman, you have a little more leeway to speak out on things. And you know the kind of guy that Richard Sherman is. There isn't really a facade over him. You're you're not wondering, oh, what is he actually like? You know who he is. He's transparent. And I think it's good when the faces of the league are transparent with the public because then you know who you're cheering for. And you can take sides if you want, but at least you know something about the person, Richard Sherman. It's not all about the player. And I think that makes the league more interesting. The NBA is by far the best at marketing and giving their stars a platform. And in the NFL, with so many players, you know, sometimes you kind of just lose sight of the personalities. You're just seeing the guys with their helmet on, and you don't really know who they are. But I think Sherman's a good example of that, that you can have a voice and you can have a personality. And, and I think the NFL, just this big corporate machine, needs more of that. I think you need more guys who are willing to step out and speak their mind. That's exactly right, and and you know, sort of taking off the helmets. You know, that's one uh, big aspect of the NFL. It's like an issue with the NFL is that, you know, Roger Goodell and and the, the league thinks it's all about the shield. It's really not about the players. It's all about protecting that shield, protecting each one of these teams because the teams will last a lot longer than these players. And so it's sort of up to the players to you know take off that helmet. Uh, show their face uh, if they want to be recognized and and they want to be part of a, a larger conversation and, and speak their mind. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of stars in this league that if you had them walking down the street, people wouldn't know who they are if they weren't in their own NFL city. But a guy like Richard Sherman, he has spoken up enough uh, that I think mo- he's more recognizable. And so, yeah, as I said, whether it's Tim Tebow speaking about his causes or Richard Sherman speaking about his causes, uh, I think it's great that players use their platform speak their minds, and also have something to back it up. So I think we'll have a lot of excitement on the upcoming week here on Lockdown Vikings. I believe the NFL schedule gets released sometime in the next week, maybe the week after that. They haven't announced exactly when yet, but we may have a schedule to break down, and that's when stuff starts to get real, Sage. You get to start going game by game and and predicting, you know, who's going to be hot at that point and, and, you know, where's the schedule tough, where's the schedule easy. I think that's coming up next week. We're looking forward to that. The the, uh, the schedule coming out is always a lot of fun, and, and it's amazing the teams I played on, uh, no matter what team it was, you always looked for – November and December. Where are we playing away games? November and December. You know, if you're in, if I was in Miami, are we playing up in uh, uh, you know New England in December? 
uh, when you're a Vikings fan, are you playing in, in Green Bay or Chicago in December? You always look for those cold outdoor games. And there's probably a London game mixed in there as well. You also look at where's the bye week? Is it early? Is it middle? Is it late? I'm always partial to the middle of the year bye week. That's coming up next week on Lockdown Vikings. And this wraps up this week of Lockdown Vikings. He's Sadrosenfels at Sadrosenfels18. I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Check out Lockdown NFL Draft with John Ledyard. Locked on Timberwolves with Zach Bennett. And you can advertise on the show, LockedOnVikings at gmail.com. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.